Now no shrub had yet appeared on earth, and no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the wild birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called them, each li- whatever he called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place uh, with flesh. <coughs> then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he had taken out that he had taken out of the man. He brought her to the man, and the man said, "Now this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother, and is united to his wife, and they become." one flesh. We're talking about in this series, turning biblical theology into your biography. We have this theology that comes out of scripture, uh, this teaching, this doctrine, uh, and it comes out of scripture and we say, we believe that. But the whole Bible challenges us. Christ would challenge us to put it into our lives, make it active in our lives, turn it into a biography, to live it. Well, to do that, you've got to ask the question, all right, who am I? Who did God make me to be? And tonight we're looking specifically uh, at what pronoun did God choose to identify you? But before we begin to answer that question, let's look at the questions we've already answered. Who am I? Who are you? Who does God say that I am? And that's where Genesis begins. Genesis begins with, in the beginning, God. So if I'm going to understand who I am, who I am in this crowded world in which we live, who we are in this in this incredibly crowded history of all mankind, of the billions and trillions of people. Who am I in that? And he answers it right there. He says, we come from God. He made us. And it's not this that he made Adam, and that was the beginning, and the rest of us sort of came from that. No. We, we, read, in, we read in the 
in Psalms, we read it last week, I think, that he's, he said that David was talking, and he said, God knit me in my mother's womb, you know, that, that God made me. And so here's this individual person, and he's looking and said, God made me. And we can all do that. From Scripture, the way Scripture looks at it, he says, God made Rick. God made Trip. So that's the beginning. That's where it starts. And then he says that we're unique among all the animate and inanimate creatures or creation. How are we unique? We're made in God's image. That's God's first statement about us. We're made in His image. Let's make man in our own image. We looked at that. Well, what about the creation around us? How do we respond? Who are we in this creation? And God says, this creation belongs to you and to Carolyn. This, this he made it for us, for our benefit, for our blessing. He did not make man for creation. He made creation for us. What do we do with that creation? We looked at that the last time. We'd go, what do we do with that creation? We either do one or two things. That creation points us to God and talks to us about how good God is. You know, what do we do? When we sit down to eat, what do we do? We give thanks, don't we? We stop and we give thanks. It's a good habit because it's stopping in the middle of your day, hopefully two or three times, and you stop and you thank God and you say, this comes from Him. And so we come from God. We're made in His image. We're personal, rational, and moral. Made in His spiritual. Made in His image. And then the creation points us to Him. And we enjoy that creation. We love that creation. But we can love it. The world loves it so much that it puts the creation ahead of God. And we love ourselves. We love wealth and money, power, sex. All this is in His creation. And we put that ahead of God. So it's a great question. Who are we in, in living out this creation? There are some Christians that, that they, want to, they want to say creation is evil. We're just going to wait on heaven. We're not supposed to enjoy this here. But he gave us taste buds to enjoy food. He gave us food, gave us taste buds to enjoy that food. It, that preaches to us that we're to enjoy the creation, but we're different than the world. The world puts it ahead of God. But, you know, where do we go on the Lord's Day? We go to church. Say, thank you for the week. Please bless this week. Thank you for what you've given us. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my children. You know, that's how you're responding. You keep God in His place, the giver of creation. So, the very first thing that He said directly about man, let's make man in our image. What was the second thing? What was the second thing He said? Right, right on the heels of it. Let's look back at it. Genesis 1.27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Male and female. 
Well, he said that right away. That He didn't say that. We'd say it and we'll say, of course, of course. But that's not what that is. The most important thing we said that in the Hebrew, you know, we looked at that and we said four times he mentioned man being made in God's image. And that was his way of emphasizing it. And right after, he makes this gigantic, massive statement that separates man from all the other animate, inanimate, inanimate creation. He says, he made them male and female. That is that, that's it. That shouts to us. Well, what did he tell them to do? Just move, move from that. This male and female. What did he say right after that? It's, it's related to them being male and female. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The very next words after he said he created them male and female, he said, be fruitful and multiply. Two genders are basic to population. Think about that. If you put all that together, it does it not sound profoundly fundamental and significant in the human race? We look at it as just being basic. Well, of course, you're male, because you're female. It, go on. But this is right at the beginning, and he takes time. But God does not stop there. In Genesis chapter 2, that we just read, Moses elaborates. He gives the detail of how the male and female were made. We just read it. God forms man, a man, male, from the dust of the ground. And he sets him in the middle of the garden. But for the first time in Genesis, first time in Scripture, God speaks a malediction. You know what a malediction is? You've heard of a benediction. Benediction comes from, from two words, bene, two Latin words, bene, meaning good, dictum, meaning a saying, a word. So it's a good word, a good saying. Well, a malediction comes from Latin, male meaning bad, and dictum meaning word, bad word, bad saying. So what was the bad saying? All through the first chapter of Genesis, God says, he makes something, he says, and God saw it was good. He makes something else, he says, and God saw it was good. And God saw it was good. And he comes down to making man, and he says, and God saw it was very good. So we have these benedictions. But suddenly, when he makes Adam, He said, it's not good for the man to be alone. Now that makes sense. Remember when we didn't cover all the details of what it means to be made in God's image. But we said, we're spiritual like God is spiritual. Uh, we're not just physical beings made up of so many elements from a periodic chart. There's something spiritual about us. We said that man is 
personal, rational, and moral. But go back. Man's personal. That means he, he was made for relationships. Each one of us were made for relationships. We talked about that. We were talked about being made in God's image. Now we enjoy those relationships, and it's a good thing. How is that like God? You have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There was an eternal fellowship there, eternal relationship there. And he made man like that for relationships. All of us have been in some situation where we said, I'm done with people. <laughs> I don't, you know, I'm not going to fool with people anymore. We can't live like that. We must have relationships. God created us for that. And so God said, I'll get a helper. I'll, I'll find a helper. I'll find a, a corresponding helper to Adam. And so he brings all the animals. It's beautiful. Adam, he allows Adam to name the animals. He brings an animal. And Adam says, that's a giraffe. He names an elephant. He names a dog. And, but, but all this is for a purpose. It says, but a helper, a suitable helper, could not be found. He was still alone. So God performed the first surgery. He takes a rib. And just like he had made Adam from the dust, he makes a woman a female. Now that's what the whole chapter is about. The whole chapter is about God made Adam a male and then he makes a female. What if we had left off that? What if we had just had the first chapter of Genesis? We wouldn't know the details of this. She was not a clone. There was unity. She was spiritual, personal, rational, and moral like Adam. She had two arms and two legs. She had a nose and breathed through her nose, breathed through her mouth, had eyes to see. But there was a noticeable diversity. But that diversity corresponded to Adam perfectly. God intended it to be that way. When Adam slept with Eve... He was not thinking, I sure do wish God had just given me another guy. Yeah. That's not what he was saying. And you know that. Eve was not thinking, well, I wish God had made Adam be a woman like me. No. No. It was a good thing. The diversity was good. We need to hear this. We need to hear it. The diversity was good. It's something that should be embraced. Well, what was God doing? He was creating in their unity and diversity the family. See, that's where Genesis 2 ends. All this is together. At the end of the chapter, we read, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. So you have the formation of family. It goes from male and female, to in the end is this relationship, this an intimate relationship on which the family is built. 
So where does it begin? You see how profound it was? That he says he made them male and female? In the family, God designed men to be men. And sometimes and the men are not physically, functionally, mentally, or emotionally like women. Sometimes as, as wives, you think, My husband really being a horse's mind. He really is, you know. But, and sometimes he will be. Sometimes he will be a horse. He's a sinner just like you are. And, but if you cut him open at that moment, you would be shocked. You wouldn't find horse's behindedness. <laughs> you, would, you would find that he's thinking like a guy thinks. It's different. God designed women. You're not physically and functionally and mentally and emotionally like men. That's not a biased or primitive statement. It's a biblical statement. But it's modern and scientific. It's echoed by the most advanced medical studies right up to this very hour. Go to any area in medicine. Go to psychology. I don't care what, you know, to the gynecologist. Just different. The radical feminists of the 70s made a serious mistake from which our cultures never recovered. We're all for ERA, the Equal Rights Amendment. And it, that's, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But equality, being equal, does not mean sameness. They said men and women are equal. Ergo, they're the same. <laughs> they're not. Ladies or men, God discriminated against us. We cannot, men cannot have babies. God's not allowed us the intimate participation in creation that he does with a woman. He designed women to take part in the creation and nurturing of life in this very intimate way. It's beautiful. The mother has a relationship to a newborn that a man just cannot have. You know, several women have, uh, have transitioned, a lot of women have transitioned into being men. Uh, but I'm speaking about just a, a small group of them. Uh, kept their reproductive organs intact. And so after they had beards, after they looked like men, some of these women decided, I want to have a baby. And so you can read, there's all kinds of accounts of it. So they get pregnant, they have a baby. There's one picture of 
of of this person sits like sitting like a man and he and has a beard, and you know she's she's pregnant, and they say, and they will say when that happens, it, it comes out in in all the the rags. They will say, see, men can have babies. No, they can't. No, I'm sorry, they can't do it. That's never happened. So, men are women. God is discriminated against you. Some of you are really good athletes. But no woman will ever play linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones would love to find one. Think of the money. But not even the Russian women can do it. And there's a scientific, biological reason for this. Because the medical community will tell us, the geneticists tell us, that the muscular and skeletal structure of a man is stronger than that of a woman. Now, there's plenty of women out there that can whip me and whip Rick with one hand tied behind their back. I understand that. But all things being equal, uh, you know, that's why in golf you have women's tees and men's tees. That's why... You don't, you don't have women on the professional golf tour, you don't on the professional men's tour. You don't allow men on the women's tour. They're just bigger and stronger. Well, this is a good thing. We're supposed to, we, we, you know, God made it this way. And since he made it this way, pronounced it good, then it's to be embraced. Terry brings something to my life and to our home that's impossible for me to bring. She brings a heart. I think I'm a pretty sensitive guy. I can't touch her sensitivity. It's just it's, it, uh, not in a thousand years. But I bring something home that's impossible for her to bring. But that's the way God made it. He didn't mean us to be clones. That's why as couples, you should be looking at each other and saying, hey, what do you think about this? You know, and really asking the question, you know, and saying, you know, saying to your wife, I want to know what you're, th- what you're thinking about this. You, I need your view. You have a women's view, a woman's view. Tell me what it is. You bring something to what we're looking at that I don't have, and vice versa. Women, you should be looking, what, what do you think about this? Instead of turning it into some kind of, of competition or just this awful, awful thing that you go through and have these debates. Embracing how God made us as male and female should profoundly affect us in these relationships. So now I want to stop right there for a minute and say, if you are not married, uh, you're forever going to be, if, if, if you're not married now and you never get married, you're still male. You're still a man. You're still a female. You're still a woman. And it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. And you bring, wherever you bring, you bring that femininity as a woman. You bring it to every aspect of your life and every 
part of the culture. Think of a culture that that does not think of a whole culture that doesn't have a feminine touch to it, a woman's touch to it, a woman's mind to it. I don't want to I don't want to live in that culture. And you know, think of a culture where you know, think about that a minute. You know, I've been over to Rick's uh, Duck Lodge. <laughs> you know, it, it has Rick's touch to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, it has Rick's touch to it. You know, and and it it looks like what it is. Uh, you know, it's a place where men go. You know, so so. As if, 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 if you never get married, that doesn't negate you being a guy, you being a, a male. It doesn't negate you being a female. And you're to bring those gifts that God has given you to the world around you like that. So let's come, come back now. God designed, I've got to move. God designed the basic elements of the home. God did this. And no surgeon general, no president, no senator, no congressman, no judge, no governor, no legislature can change the truth of that design. In a blacksmith shop, you, you have an anvil. And a blacksmith will take, it used to be this way, blacksmith will take a red hot piece of metal and will take a hammer and begin to shape that piece. Let me tell you something. Over in the corner of any blacksmith shop that's been around for any time at all, you'll see a pile of hammers. You won't see a pile of anvils. The anvils wear the hammer out. It's, anvils don't get destroyed. Hammers don't wear out anvils. Folks, God's word and decrees are the anvil. And cultural media and government may hammer away at God's definition of male and female. They may hammer away at God's definition of family, but long after they're gone, the anvil's still going to be there. It will be there. It will wear out the hammers. I say, well, why should we care? Why should, why, why, why should we care? I'll just go off and be, uh, I'll be the man I'm supposed to be, the male, and my wife will be a female. I'll, I'll enjoy this. Look at Deuteronomy 6.1. Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your now. Now, look at these words, that your days may be long. Did he just mean, well, you're going to live a long life. You're living to your 80s and 90s. You do that. No. He was saying that, that your culture, your country, your, your civilization will ensure their days by doing this. Look down at verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always that we might be preserved alive. So... What is the foundational institution of all human history, of all civilizations? What is the one 
foundational institution. It's not government. It's not education. You can name a bunch of them. It's not the military. What's the cornerstone of civilization? We saw it tonight. What was the first institution God formed? Family. Formed a family. And the basis of that family is male and female. So, what's happening in our culture? This is, we looked at what God says. He says, keep it. It's basic to civilization. So what's happening in our culture? Our culture is boldly saying, every day, everywhere, God does not decide my gender. I do. And by the way, there are a lot more than two genders from which to choose. Let me read you a couple of things that uh, define these terms. Gay, a person who is emotionally and romantically or sexually attracted to members of the same gender. Men, women, and non-binary people may use this term to describe themselves. Gender identity. One's innermost concept of self is male, female, a blend of both or neither. How individuals perceive themselves, notice it's up to the perception, and what they call themselves, one's gender identity can be the same or different from their sex assigned at birth. Gender nonconforming, a broad term referring to people who do not behave in a way that conforms to the traditional expectations of their gender or whose gender expression does not fit neatly into a category, while many also identify, again, self-identify as transgender. Gender queer. Gender queer people typically reject notions of static categories. We can't have static categories of gender and embrace a fluidity of gender identity and often, though not always, sexual orientation. People who identify as genderqueer may see themselves as being both male and female, neither male nor female, or as falling completely outside of these categories. You get what I'm saying. What's the one common thing that's being said in all those sentences? The individual decides. The individual decides. You know, there was there was one one phrase in here, I don't think I read it, that that talked about gender identity and, and, and talked about the birth identity. And it said that was a sign that is assigned by the doctor or the midwife. Really? You know, the doctor or midwife decides whether you're going to be male or female. You know, all they do is recognize the difference. They just recognize what God's done. So, our culture, hold it, no, I need to read this. LGBTQ+, an acronym for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer, with a plus sign to recognize the limitless sexual orientations and gender identities, limitless gender identities used by members of our community. Our culture is looking at the Judeo-Christian 
world and life view of Scripture and saying, that's our response to it. That's what our world is doing. And our culture is praising every day. Every day is praising this freedom, this boldness to live like this. We're telling five-year-olds, you can choose whether you're going to be male or female. In Daniel 7.25, we're at the end. Daniel, God is speaking to Daniel about a type of Antichrist. This is a huge verse for the one thing in it. Daniel 7.25, He will speak against the Most High and oppress His holy people and try to change the set times and laws. See me. What will he do? He will try to change the unchangeable. He will try to alter and change times and laws established by God. And we can say, well, that's the world, and the world's about that right now. What does it matter to us? Remember, God said first, male and female. Then he said marriage. Then he said family. Then he said the family was essential to civilization. So what's happening right before our eyes this evening? Right before our eyes. Our culture is taking a gigantic sledgehammer of moral autonomy and self-determination to the anvil of God's law. You know, Solomon Gomorrah tried that. Rome tried that. Hitler tried that. Marx, Lenin, and Stalin tried that. The difference, what it does, what it will do, why it should matter to all of us, it will destroy this civilization. That's what Scripture says. And that's happening at a speed that I could not have imagined even 25 years ago. Aren't you glad you came tonight? (laughs) But all I'm saying to you is this is who you are. First, don't let the world changed that about you and about your children and anchor your family on these words. I'm not telling you to hate somebody. I don't hate. I know all kinds of people up and down that that are say they're gay, homosexuals, whatever. Have for years have counseled in this area. I don't know of one who knows me that will tell you John hates me. I don't hate him. But at this, so I'm not, you know, I don't want you to walk out of here, you know, with just 
rabid anger about this. But we commit to saying, this is something to which I have to hold. And it's not, it's not a light thing. It's a profound thing that is making a difference today in our culture. And if we keep going down this path, God, it says it in His Word. Our days will not be long. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that it is the anvil because it gives us a place to stand and not be shaken. We thank You that this same the same anvil, the same word speaks to us of your great grace and your great mercy and of the Son of God becoming flesh. The life and atoning death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the same anvil, Father. Teach us to hold tenaciously to your word. Father, I pray for the marriages in this room tonight. I pray that we as husbands will honor our wives and love the difference. I pray that for the wives in this room, Father, that they will honor their husbands and embrace this diversity. Oh, Father, take the marriages and families in this room tonight. Build a hedge around them and keep them and keep their children. For the glory of Christ, we pray. Amen.